welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Sports Travel Tour, Sports Travel for Sports Fans, by Sports Fans. We are at Radio Row. It's the Thursday. It's the craziest day of all day four of our endeavours here. We did no less than 25 interviews today. We're going to bring you four of the best and we'll chat through the rest of the day and break down the Broncos defence. Plus, the legend himself, Paolo Bandini, joins us. This is the Gridiron Show. All right, hello, welcome to the Gridiron Show. As I say, in association with Sports Travel Tours, and we went out for a few beers with Mr. Andrew Hill last night, formulated some plans for next year. There's exciting stuff afoot that we'll tell you all about, I'm sure, as the off-season progresses. Uh, joined on Radio Row by Matt Sherry, first of all. Hi, guys. Uh, Ollie Hunter. Hey, all. Liam Blackburn is here, our intrepid reporter. Hello. And, uh, and Paolo Bandini. Hello. Say it in Italian, Paolo. Ciao. Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. There's someone else Buongiorno. here. Oh, and James Scrag. Scragsy. Hello, everyone. I think Scrags has got a great radio voice. What did you have for breakfast, Scrags? I had salmon. My breath smells a bit funny after it. Oh. Whoa. Oh. Hello. <laughs> if you... Uh, Today has been both the craziest and most fun day that we've that we've had when we've been here. We, it's been completely nuts. I didn't realise just how bad the Thursday was going to get. I mean, in the building today, we've had some great interviews and spoken to some great people today. But just to give you an idea of who the big names got, the ones who only came in and did a bit of TV, etc. On the table next was Rosillo and Canell, who are the ESPN's big afternoon radio show. In a in a forty five minute span. Between 11 a.m. and midday, they had Joe Montana, followed by J.J. Watt, followed by Drew Brees, followed by Derek Brooks. Absolutely ridiculous. So it's been nuts here today. It's been really busy, and we've got some great interviews coming up for you. We've got so much good stuff for the off-season, and I can't, I literally can't list everyone we've spoken to today. Because you it can. Be, it would be boring and long. <laughs> they included you things can. like the world heavyweight champion Deontay Wilder, though. You can. Uh, do you really want me to say everyone? As quickly as you did? can. Okay, here we go. Can we get a drum roll on this stupid iPhone? I'm sure it must. I'm sure it must have a drum roll on there somewhere, but I don't know where it'll be. If we go out to here and then miscellaneous sounds, it'll be there'll be a drum roll, I reckon. Uh, there's not. There's not a drum well, roll. Well, we could do a door closing. That, that, that's interesting. <laughs> we haven't got it turned up either. That, that works. That's almost like a drum that was, roll. That was the worst <laughs> drum roll I've ever heard in my life. So. Aaron Donald, Alan Hearns, Blake Bortles, Bobby Bell, Byron Chamberlain, Ch Chuck Andrick West, Charles Johnson, Dara Slaps Will, don't know what that file is, David Meltzer, Deontay Wilder, Ed Tool Jones, Frank Caliendo, Greg Cosell, Ian Williams, Joe Pissark, Joyke Bell, Kurt ah. Warner, Lee Steinberg, Mark Clayson, Nate Burleson, Spencer Tillman, Stephen Johnson, Terrell Davis, and Willie <laughs> McGuinness. The crying baby is far too much. Take that away from Matt Sherry, please. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Great ending to that. I like the way you agreed to say take, take it away. Brilliant. Uh, so, and we're going to be talking about the Broncos' defence on today's show. As people who've been listening to the first uh, few this week, we're breaking down each of the positions, uh, each of the groups day by day, and discussing a, a different area. And you're going to hear later on in this show from a man who played in Super Bowl One and Super Bowl Four, a Hall of Fame legend, Bobby Bell. He joined us earlier on. Frank Caliendo, which might be my favourite interview of the whole week so far, if for no other reason than he ripped 
Matt Sherry a new one for relentlessly. A it was <laughs> relentless is definitely the right word for it. And Ollie, he, he must have praised Ollie's comic timing at least seven times. I thought he was going to take Ollie with him on some kind of uh, comedy tour as a backup or a, a support artist or something. I would have gone. I'd have ditched you guys. We're Me gonna... and Frank, my new best mate, we, we would have gone. Greg Cassell. We have who... tried to hire you out to about four different jobs. <laughs> <this week. laughs> That's true, you did. Uh, then Greg Cassell, the, the legendary play caller. Uh, no, came, whoa, whoa, X is an O guy. X is an O guy. Came along and Matt Sherry. This guy's scum, isn't he? <laughs> Matt, <laughs> Matt, no, no. Yeah, I do, just to wind you up, Matt Sherry was oh my looking God. at him with puppy dog doe eyes the whole way through. So the, the interview that Sherry's been second most excited about other than Greg Cassell today was Deontay Wilder. And we'll, we'll play that out later in the week, next week or something. It's just, you know, we don't need it for this weekend, but it's a great interview. He walked past our table with his whole entourage. It was clearly him. I thought Sherry would spot him and start, you know, slapping my arm and pointing at him. He was so locked onto every word Greg Cassell was saying that Deontay Wilder passed directly behind Greg Cassell and he didn't even begin to... To notice he was there. The guy's like six foot seven and built like a brick shit house. You literally can't miss him. Where's your Al Green stuff? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. He's left it on baby crying. That's a little bit upsetting. Come on. Uh, we're also going to hear. So we're going to hear Greg Cosell breaking down all of the uh, all of the film for this weekend's game. We've got Kurt Warner on Peyton and a little bit on NFL Europe and Willie McGuinness talking about that Broncos defense. A little snapshot we had with him earlier on. But let's start off by just chatting about our days, guys. How's everyone done? I think we've uh, absolutely nailed it again, haven't we? It's getting too easy, this gig now. Um. <laughs> Smashed it. Who's going past? Oh, Ollie's just pointing out a very attractive woman in a yellow dress. Well, and what he's not pointing out is that sat next to that very attractive woman on 95.7, the game behind us, is Steve Young. No, so, that's who I was pointing out. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think you're pointing out the attractive woman in the yellow dress. Yeah, just another 49ers legend wandering around. Amazing stuff. Uh, Paolo, you only flew in yesterday. And, and basically, we didn't hear from you for 24 hours. And we were semi-convinced you were dead. Well, I, I think you maybe slightly overestimated what time I was getting in yesterday because I got a missed call from Ollie Hunter at, I don't even know when um, did he ask you if you were off the plane yet I assume that was supposed to be the question but I, I wasn't because it was a, a missed call uh, but anyway yeah I, I didn't um, get through customs and anywhere near a bed until about 11 uh, I then slept for about I don't know seven minutes before my body decided it was time to wake up again uh, we fully uh, thought you were on the flight we were on so we thought you were getting in at like four in the afternoon but uh, to be fair mate uh, you do deserve a little bit of that Oh, there it is. Uh, but it's been good on that. Ollie, have you fired? Oh, you were just doing the classic covering up your nose with no, your jumper. I had, I had an on my nose. Oh, right. I, I just thought I'd point it out on uh, <laughs> live on air. It's not live, but you know what I mean. Uh, and Ollie, have you had a glorious day as well? Oh, I've, I've had a knackering day. We had a great sandwich, didn't oh, we, the Ollie? Sandwich the sandwich was incredible. Um, was it beef. better or worse than a burrito? I'd always take a burrito. However... This sandwich was incredible. Oh my god! I'm gonna be honest with you. I've only heard about this sandwich in the last ten minutes, and already I'm feeling increasingly angry and bitter that I didn't get to eat it, this. Sandwich. It was so dense, but there was so rich with flavour. The, the big point that I'd like to make on the sandwich: there wasn't a wasted ingredient. Everything played a part. Yeah, you're right. It had such depth of flavour, Paolo. Depth of but flavor. to use a, a Master Chef Australia phrase that I love, it uh -huh. had it. 
depth of flavour. It was Have delightful. me and you talked about MasterChef Australia before? Oh my god, Are you I a fan? love MasterChef Australia. This is, this is, yeah, no, like MasterChef Australia has been a major part of my life in recent years. So, do you know what I do? This podcast I, about to just, go, just, I, just, I, just, I just, I just want to give you an track. idea of what I do. I record it on Virgin Media, and you were being very loud. I record it on Virgin Media, wait till the off-season, and then watch it back once the NFL's finished. So, I love it that much. So it replaces the NFL. Yep. Australian MasterChef, I love it that much. It, it replaces it the is, NFL. Amazing how much better it is than all other masters. And why yeah. do they need four episodes a week? I mean, I love it, but that's, it's that's nuts. Part that, that's part of it. You, you know, well, you have to commit to it. You are in. If you don't like the four episodes a week, then get I don't, out of the I don't dislike it. It's just I'm just making the point that it's so excessive, and it's good because it's excessive. So this is an insight into my life. Just before Christmas. Um, Get ready, everyone. This is going to be gold. This is what everyone wanted. And if you want to hear lots of Matt Sherry's voice, we'll hear Frank Caliendo doing it in just a moment. (laughs) So So it was was just before Christmas. My wife had gone to bed. I was... Why, eh, man? I'd just drank a bottle of red wine, and I was watching MasterChef Australia. And then suddenly it was five o'clock in the morning, and I'd been watching it for seven hours, and I'd drank a bottle of whiskey as well, and it was one of the best nights of my life, Paolo. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely time. I'm not how, an alcoholic. How many of the ingredients, how many ingredients, how many recipes have you attempted after watching MasterChef Australia? A lot. I, I don't know. That, that's why I got the pasta burger for Christmas. Like. <laughs> I'm so sad that we're not at Sherry's house right now so we can roll us out some pasta. Yeah, but we'd have to. I'll be honest with you, everything that we're ball. talking about is reminding me of the fact that I haven't eaten much food today and I'm very hungry. Just and remind us, Paolo, are you somebody who likes to eat food? I like to eat food a lot. Good man, good man. I also want to bring in Liam Blackburn because whilst, as always, whilst doing the podcast, Liam Blackburn is filing work. He Literally is, can't hear us right he now. He is working <laughs> hard as anything. Can we all just Liam. look at him and see if Liam. he gets the message? Liam. 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 Oh. No, no, we want to speak to you. Liam, do you, have, do you have just two minutes to quickly speak to us about your day today? Because actually, you're the only one who left this area other than these two going to buy sandwiches. Yet again, I have found myself... Have you booked an appointment for me? <laughs> yet again, I found... Fu- uh, yet, yet again, I found myself uh, locked in this air hangar for uh, 10 or 11 straight hours of a Smells day. Smells terrible here, <laughs> I've got to say. dreadful. <laughs> I, that's mostly me, I'm not going to lie. Um, Liam actually went off and did some of the press conferences today and went off and saw some of the other bits and pieces going on, including Coldplay. How was that, Liam? Ridiculously busy, like astonishingly busy. And everyone who asked the question was some sort of LA entertainment. Hi, Chris! <laughs> Including you. Tell me about Queen Bee. Was Pete Carline there? And did he? Yeah, want that the- was Pete Carline. I thought that was very obvious. <laughs> Sorry, we should have realised. Yeah, this uh, is. Pete there was Carl- one person who said, um, who basically was like, "Oh, first of all, uh, thank you so much for helping me get through my breakthrough four years ago. Fix you was the song I turned to oh when uh, it all broke down. Her breakup, I mean, not this- breakthrough. So, <laughs> not. I, I want Maybe to- it was a breakthrough. In her <laughs> she life. had a breakthrough, and she just kept listening to Fix You over and over again because she was he so was, delighted. Uh, he was quite funny, Chris Martin. Surprisingly, made uh, made quite a few gags. Did he drop an f bomb? You told us he did. Yeah, he. Uh, someone asked him what his left shark moment would be, and he uh, he basically went on this. Uh, Tangent. Big rants about rants. sharks and how many shank, shark shanks, sharks they were going to have. And then he went, uh, it's a difficult question to ask. You're basically asking me how you're going to beep it up. 
Okay, good. And it was good. obviously. I like that you self-censored that, meaning I didn't. I just have to want to make your life easier. Will, yeah, I, I, I massively appreciate that. Although now we've made this point, Sherry will definitely swear at least five times on the rest of the podcast, knowing that it makes my life more irritating. Thanks, I buddy. Also discovered that uh, Cam Newton is a big Coldplay fan. Anyone oh, really? want to guess on his favourite song? I'm going to go with Yellow. This this challenge requires me to know Coldplay songs. I'm not saying this to be the, funny. This, I genuinely don't. I think, so, I think politics. I, I knew Yellow, that's the one. Politic, that's a good Politic. one. Politic. The answer was Clocks. Clocks? What a choice. Dab- yeah. Just imagine him dapping to Clocks, can't you? I'm not really sure why I dabbed on a podcast. No one's ever going to know that I did that until I mentioned it. <laughs> Leaving the, uh, the iPad in range of uh, Sherry was a terrible idea. Um, uh, so, other than Coldplay uh, and Chris Martin being good fun, is there anything to report from today? Any news? You are our intrepid reporter, after all. Um, no, then. That's the answer that we were looking for. Uh, the, Roger, the Roger Goodell um, Rooney rule for women was quite an interesting announcement today. There was uh, the first NFL women's summit and um, he basically announced that as they did with the Rooney rule 13 years ago they're going to bring in uh, a requirement that all franchises have to interview women for executive positions when you when you told me they were introducing a Rooney rule for women I literally thought you meant that you had to interview a black woman for any job and uh, clearly that's not what was intended by it but yeah I know it's obviously a, a, a good step but we I think as a unit, we all support the idea of the Rooney Rule, and it's one of those things that ends up being discussed any time teams come over for the International Series games with the number of black managers in soccer and and everything else. So, um, no, I think that seems like a a good initiative. Yeah, absolutely. If I'd known about it earlier, I would have asked NFL alumni guy about it, but instead (laughs) I talked about concussions. I've talked about concussions more in the last three days than the entire of the rest of my life. The cynical side of me thinks that Goodell might have been putting a bit of positive PR out just before his press conference tomorrow, but... Or the international press conference tomorrow, which, of course. Are, which I assume you'll be attending. Uh, yes. Good man. That's yeah. what we want to hear. We needed somebody there. You're our guy. Uh, yeah, the, I, the only real bit of news I saw from today was that uh, the Rooney rule. There's been some Manzal news, hasn't there? I've as just seen something on Twitter as I was walking in here. Further to what happened yesterday when they basically said they were going to cut him. Hold on one second. Johnny Manzel isn't going to prison or being charged with assaulting his ex-girlfriend. That's Allegedly from Dallas assaulting. officer Matt Cherry. Uh, and to be honest, that's wonderful news. Um, I'm, I only, all I saw was Manzel on Twitter as I was walking in, so I didn't know if it was. I'm so bored of Manzel. <laughs> Can't he just fuck off? Uh, it's begun. <laughs> that's going to make your job a little bit more difficult. <laughs> oh, I think that's well within the realms of. Do you know? Do you know who we should allowed? Li- you know, license of, of swearing. Ollie, mm. do you know who we should have got in to make uh, on this podcast to make Will's job really difficult? That crazy guy yesterday who swore more times in a minute than I have ever heard anyone swear at <laughs> yeah, all. The, the old Chinese guy. <laughs> <laughs> as we were finding a new. Uh, Backpack. <laughs> I don't know what you just said, but I'm assuming I have to beep it. I, I was going to say he sounded exactly like that, but you're just going to beep him, so it's just going to be a beep, isn't it? I won't beep it then because I didn't hear it properly. This so. is a guy who was on a gramophone outside of the media centre, just kind of shouting and swearing all the way through. And the policeman ushered him away and he said, Fuck you, motherfucker! <laughs> 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 Everyone who wasn't expecting swearing then, if you've got kids listening, I apologise, because I'm not beeping any of that out. I cannot uh, be bothered. And if you want to understand what he really said, just press the back 
slow button on your uh, <laughs> on your generic fruit-based device. Try and listen to it at about half speed and maybe you'll understand what Sherry was saying. But then was, most people don't understand what, what Sherry says. Was this before or after Sherry nearly knocked over a blind woman and then she apologised <laughs> to him? Yeah. You're a disgrace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, should we get people back back to us? Should we listen to something? Yeah, I think we should get on and, yeah. and hear some of the interviews that we've done today. Uh, so let's kick things off with the, the funnest interview of the week so far, I think. We've had lots of great interviews, but this was uh, it was kind of unexpected, and, and you'll hear him say it when we go through it, but Frank Caliendo, if you're familiar with, say, the Rich Eisen show, he's done regular things on that. He, you'll have heard him on podcasts and on US stations, but he does impressions of US celebrities, particularly around the sports area. And uh, we, I went over and I chatted to him over in one of the other... Uh, parts of Radio Row and I asked if he'd come over and chat to us and he said yes but he seemed a little bit like not trepidatious is that a word it's not no (laughs) what's the word I'm trying to say nervous hesitant well yeah but there's a word similar but similar to the word I said Someone will tweet us, that's fine. At Gridiron, at Will Gav, let me know what, what I'm trying to say. With trepidation. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, he, uh, he came over, he did it, and it was really, really good fun. And uh, partially because he rips on Sherry. His Donald Trump is incredible. His Charles Barkley is amazing. And Ollie's comic timing during this, we have to give him a lot of love. Is pretty impressive. Joining us now is uh, is John Madden. There John, you go, John Gruden. But I'm working on I'm working on my British accent. <laughs> that's what we're gonna do. That's a, that's how we can make this unique. Is I can do everybody trying to, and I'm I'm not really good. I've never spent for the people who don't know me. I do a lot of impressions. Mostly it's it's mostly it's American pop culture and politics. So it the, the you guys are like pretty interesting to me that you'd even know who I was. So we should actually uh, introduce you properly as Frank Caliendo. And, don't, uh, was, nobody cares. Uh, I was gonna no, go just let, th- let him think I'm Donald Trump and I'm going to build a wall around us. That's oh. that's what it's going to be when I'm president and wh- I'm not just going to be president for 4 years or 8 years. I'm going to be president for the next 65 years and you wouldn't think that I could make it that long, <laughs> but they're going to change human genetics and I'm going to make not just the United States are great again I'm going to make America great again and a lot of people don't know those are different and I'm also going to make the earth great again you're looking for a place to talk it's not going to happen I'm going to (laughs) I'm going to make the solar system great again and then I'm going to make the galaxy great again I'm going to make the universe great again and not just this universe I'm going to make the Marvel universe the DC universe the multiverse that's right they're going to make all be made great again and we're going to join forces that's right me Spider-Man and Batman will be fighting on the same team and I'm not talking about Ben Affleck I'm not talking about the guy playing Batman it's going to be the actual Batman is Spider-Man Peter Parker no it's going to be the actual Spider-Man and me who it, a lot of people don't know my name is actually Hal Johnson I'm an alien from another world and I'm here to fix things and I'm, I'm going to let you know that the United States is going to join Britain again and a lot of yeah, I know you don't want them I know you <laughs> Yeah. We've you tried to ban them. Trump. You, you, you tried to say that there was no tie whatsoever from the very beginning, but I realize that it's all going to be part of what we're doing. And your turn. <laughs> I was literally going to ask for Donald Trump first. This is a mess. Uh, I, I, well, well, you don't have to ask because I just give. I understand. <laughs> listen, do you know what's going on in this country? And I don't know if it happened in yours because <laughs> listen, this is what the deal is, and a lot of people aren't seeing this type of thing, but. 
in this country, in the United States, if you guys, you've been here for a couple of days, I can see you're assimilating not so well. But this is... I don't know. I think I'm assimilating pretty you're well. Been, you're doing well. You're doing well. I, I, saw you with a, a few I saw you with a couple of different fast foods in each hand. And that's, that's what they call two-fisted in this country. But listen, we're getting lazy. Americans are getting lazy. We don't even make our own pizzas anymore. We have them delivered. And I love Papa John. He does a tremendous job. He's built a great business. But I... Great it's n- it's a, He's a great papa. He's a fantastic... <laughs> <laughs> that was... I mean, it was a funny... It didn't have anything to do with what I was saying. But it was, the fact of the matter is your timing was tremendous. And in, in, in uh, Mexico, papas are actually potatoes. So Papa John... <laughs> Is a potato bathroom is a potato bathroom in the United States. <laughs> well, the representative of Papa John's, of course, is Peyton Manning, and uh, we're going to see his final game this weekend. And well, I hope so because he looks like he's running out of gas. <laughs> That's my thing, uh, personally. Frank Caliendo, speaking for myself, actually, that the the Peyton, I'd, I I really would like to see Peyton Manning go out on top not just because he's going out on top because then he would go out yeah. and then he'd be oh, done just get rid of him you know what though I, he's he's winning games with his brain I know. well That's there's amazing. enough forehead there that, yeah. uh, <laughs> to bring that brain into <laughs> there's plenty of space yeah I, I I'm amazed by that I I think the Carolina Panthers are probably going to win, but uh, I should just do John Gruden for that. I think the Carolina Carolina Panthers. <laughs> the, Carolina Panthers. the Carolina Panthers, man. Is that a spoonerism? Is that what that is? I'm not good with uh, English. But, uh, I wonder who's going to grind for us this weekend. What language you guys speak over there, man? In, in the BBC, what do you guys? Grudish. You're Grudish, man. I love. You guys are way funnier than I expected, man. I did not know. I thought we we're going to be talking to a news station. What kind of show are you guys? You guys are great. Uh, well, we do. We do. A and I lie to a lot of people about that. And then I ask people questions while they're answering them. I talk over them. But no, really. I'm sorry. So I, you've I, met Will. <laughs> no. So you guys are uh, various media outlets. Um, okay. But. Uh, we do a show as well, like a podcast as well, but we do, we are sending stuff back for commercial radio, okay, BBC cool. radio. Great. So. We're kind of just the whole UK media. You, you're in good yeah. company. I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> I'm sure you didn't. It's like you just swallowed a bunch of water and got out of the pool. It's kind of like, it's a, hold on one second. It's kind of like, that sounds the same. What did you do? What, what's incredible, we had Jim Stuckey, the former 49ers D-tackle, and he's got a thick Charlotte accent. And these two having a conversation with each other, just completely lost. Didn't have a clue what anyone was say, saying. Don't be, that's what you do. It's like, you know, that's what he said. I was thinking of it. I'm getting to do Watch out, good chat. I didn't even know it. The, uh, we're off to see the Golden State Warriors on Saturday. Oh, are you cool? Yeah, we are. I absolutely can't wait for it. But uh, my absolute... We can't wait that much that we looked into trying to sell our tickets last <laughs> Well, when night. we heard we might be able to sell them for like a grand, then you know, you've got to consider that's a thousand dollars in. I don't know if that translates No, that, that, what I call that is pocket change. <laughs> <laughs> but I do wonder what, uh, what Charles Barkley thinks of this. I was wondering crowd. myself, that's the kind of thing, the Golden State Warriors, you look at these guys and you see everything they can do. I think that everybody thought the Cleveland Cavaliers were going to knock him off, but I think that Steph Curry, you don't even say he's the new Michael Jordan. He's the Steph Curry. When you start labeling people as the person everybody's trying to be, that's when you know they're good. And the problem with this segment right now is that I haven't gotten a laugh for about 30 (laughs) seconds, but the impression is good. And sometimes... I'm, I'm waiting for I'm you. Invested, I'm invested in this. Well, I was waiting for you to say something non sequitur to save it. <laughs> that's, that's your role, Ollie. Come on. It really is. Really is. I've, it's funny how I figured you guys out. I love a curry. I love until the curry. Your timing is, is fantastic. Terrible. 
Uh, Very good. Are you going to employ Ollie as your dad <laughs> double act guy? Can I get a translator? <laughs> are you going to employ Ollie? <laughs> I just, I'm, I don't mean it as a jerk. I just, I'm having trouble. It was like when I first watched Craig Ferguson years ago. He's like, you know me. I introduced myself as Matthew to somebody. I say, this is incredible. I introduced myself as a teddy bear. And, uh, a, lot of people, a lot of people think I'm a human being. But I'm not. This woman, he introduced himself as Matthew. And what does she think you were called? Bob? <laughs> It's very close. Yeah, it is. That is. No, I'm not, I'm sorry <laughs> I'm making fun of that, but you really have a weird voice. Uh, <laughs> that's all we spend our lives doing is basically ripping on Matt. No, that's it. It's anyway, great. So. I, I, you know what? I was really dreading doing the show when you guys came over because I didn't know. I didn't know if we'd get along. Uh, if our, if our I'm not sure we are yet. Yeah, we haven't got along. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> All right. We've got along, we, I mean, we've got just, along with you fabulously. I just made a lot of assumptions, didn't I? <laughs> I made that same assumption of my marriage many times. <laughs> this is going well. No, I, it's not. Why did I marry Donald Trump? Because it's the only voice you can think of right now. I am um, Actually, if you came over to the UK, you think his accent's weird. That's the thing with the UK is you've got probably 50 different accents in the space of an area that's smaller that you can fit into California. 15 times or whatever ridiculous it's not that many it's like now what times, does the University of Kentucky have to do with these accents <laughs> <laughs> that was me doing Barkley doing your role yeah <laughs> I, I, I was appreciated because I did not know where I was going then at all and genuinely I don't know where this interview is going but, uh, it doesn't have to go anywhere because I, I don't really make sense I have a job that's really most people know me about for making fun of American football right yeah. so it's a weird thing that um, I kind of fit in with a lot of this stuff but then you also in, on you know on Radio Row you have people just coming through selling products like Herschel, oh, yeah, we know. Herschel Walker will come in talking about uh, you know ginkgo biloba and he's never <laughs> he's never even had it before but he's talking ginkgo biloba I, I think it plays for the San Antonio Spurs <laughs> <laughs> no wait that's Manu Ginobili it's really really how come you guys know all this stuff. Like, I would think that over in the uh, UK, that the, 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 we, the American so sports... We get the coverage, uh, like, if, say, if we got Monday Night Football or anything like that, we'll I get I realize the, there's a thing called the, the internet full, and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, it's, it's 2016, Frank, <laughs> right. that's why. But we, uh, that's we, why we, some of my impressions are still from 1985. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to tell me you built the time machine out of a DeLorean. Fuck, <laughs> this is heavy. Um, but no, we get when we get say the, the Monday night football coverage, right. the, the build up and everything will be from British guys. But the actual show itself, we get Gruden, we get Tariqa, oh. we get the commentary oh from the US. So Does, we, we we get Nance and we get Sims, uh, no matter how little we want Sims. We tolerate Sims. Uh, yeah, that's we fair. adore Collingsworth. Oh uh, yeah, Col yeah, Collingsworth is interesting. Big yeah. big fan of those guys. But so we get a lot of the American coverage. But then you know the halftime. So I mean, who's the guy on ESPN who you saw yesterday? Who uh, you with a great voice. Uh, it's like this, uh, Rick, Rick Berman. It's Chris Berman? Chris Berman. There's a man who talks my, in hyperbole. My, mine isn't even, my impression isn't even words anymore. It's just Morse code. Did he just give us SOS? We We know. Let's go back for the second half. <laughs> <laughs> That's like him with a stroke. What, what happened there? I thought it was pretty accurate. Yeah, yeah keep thinking. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Oh. <laughs> 
I want to hear your Donald Trump now. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't do Donald no, Trump. No, you're going to do it. <laughs> I, don't know, I couldn't. I don't know what he sounds like. Exactly. Oli has spent three or four days trying to mimic this guy and sounding more and more like Ringo Starr every single time <laughs> does, he does you it. You do have a Ringo. That does have a Ringo to it. Do, do a little more. I'm, I'm, I'm. Um, giggly doo-doo. <laughs> <laughs> Our incredibly laconic friend. <laughs> I only say stuff when I want to stop the conversation. I'm terrified to talk. <laughs> I think this is leave silence. I think what he Sherry. just said. What, what he just said. Who just said Bob? <laughs> what Bob just said was that he's terrified of the conversation. Look, Frank, I had a real joy uh, chatting to you, and uh, if you can take the piss out of him one last time, that'd be great. What? What? what, is it? what? <laughs> I was going to say no, 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 no. Oh, Join us next We'll be right back I'm afraid to talk It's not like, now What you're doing here Perfect Frank that was brilliant Thank you so much Yeah awesome Frank Caliendo there If you weren't laughing at that Then uh, you're dead to me And me I love you If you didn't find that funny <laughs> Uh, just to go through, uh, let's, let's bring through a few of these interviews and then we'll break down the Broncos defense. Uh, another guy we spoke to earlier on uh, was uh, Chiefs linebacker, Hall of Fame legend, played in Super Bowl one and won Super Bowl four. Uh, we got about seven or eight minutes with him, but it was completely worthwhile. Re- really, really nice guy. And again, any opportunity to speak to a Hall of Famer should not be sniffed at. Never. Why am I struggling to speak so much today, yet again? Well, we have interviewed 25 people. <laughs> the fact that we've still got voices is fairly impressive, I think. Uh, so here is uh, Chiefs legendary Hall of Fame linebacker Bobby Bell. It's a genuine real pleasure uh, to be joined on Radio Row by Bobby Bell, former linebacker defensive end of the Kansas City Chiefs, pro football Hall of Famer, uh, played in Super Bowl 1 and 4. Am I right? I played in 4 and... Uh, one, two. Yeah, yeah so, the one, you know. Well, that, that's got to be the first question then, Bobby. You're here at Super Bowl 50 in this huge air hangar full of media and all the stuff they're doing in San Francisco. And how does this compare with Super Bowl one? And, and well, uh, Super Bowl one. If it, <clears throat> in fact, they didn't even call it Super Bowl yeah. one, and we had no idea it was going to become something like this. And uh, the press in Super Bowl one was done Saturday before the game. And they all was all the guys were in swimming suits around the swimming pool. They do an interview and a guy jump in the swimming pool, and that was it on Saturday. I nearly wore my swimming suit today. So. <laughs> uh, you ex- translate what he just said. He said I nearly wore my swimming costume today. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Between really Caliendo and this. I got you, man. You know, it, it take me a while to you know, but I'll, I'll so tune in. You know, tune in on him on a little bit. You know, but you know the thing is. Uh, me and Buck Buchanan, we were playing in the game. We looked up. We were standing down on the side, in down on the sideline, looked up in the stand, and it was like thirty-five thousand empty seats in there. And I said, "Who in the world is going to pay for twelve dollars for a seat in a Super Bowl?" You know, and I think the tickets now, the face value, mine was three thousand a piece. You know. I paid more for two tickets than they paid me in the first Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, now, you know, like the week before the Super Bowl, everybody comes in here for the parties, mm. all the, you know. Look at y'all. Y'all been, y'all been down here for, what, three days? Yep. And what have you been Will, doing? Will slept party last night. Huh? Partying. You been partying. <laughs> <laughs> See, that sounds like partying. You like making you go somewhere some, and party something. It was something like that, I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, so you obviously you played in one, 
you won four. And I know it's it's probably a very different game now, but you were a very athletic guy even then playing at defensive end. And you see how these guys play the game now and how big and strong. A guy like Cam Newton who could be 6'6 six, six and play, line, uh, play quarterback is, is just Well, he's 6'6. Six, six. You, know, you know, the thing is that when I came out of high school, I was a quarterback. I played at the University of Minnesota my freshman year as a quarterback. And, I was, you know, I was considered big at the time, you know. But here's Ken Newton, you know. He's, you know, guy's six, playing, playing the game as a team player. He's in, everybody said, well, he's acting up, you know. He's doing this and cutting flips and all that stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. You can name some other quarterbacks that used to do that stuff. They get to grab the ball and spike it in the end yeah. zone. Or and nobody said anything about that. But, you know, it's, I just love to see these guys play like that, you know. Did Len Dawson ever uh, flip into the end zone? No. <laughs> if he flipped in the end zone, we had to get him up. <laughs> you know, who's going to turn him over, you know? <laughs> uh, and, and talk to us a little bit. Uh, one guy I want to ask you about is Hank Stram, because he's a guy that we never obviously got to, to meet and see coach at this level, but you hear so many great stories about him from from. Well, the NFL you know, what you saw it was a true thing, you know. You, you're doing the fourth Super Bowl when they mic'd him up and stuff like that. Everybody say, well, is he really like that? And yeah, that's the way he is. He's a competitor and he likes to win. He likes to win. And he want to get, he wants everything to be the odds wise, you know, fast, quick, you know, big guys, small guys, tall guys. We had them all. We had some of the biggest guys. And he just wanted great players. He didn't care what what you look like, what color you were, you know, he just wanted great players, and that's what he wanted. And he just wants you to go out there and act like a human being, you know. You, you mentioned about color, and obviously, kind of that first Super Bowl was only, I think, six years after Washington, the final team, became integrated. How do you assess the NFL's journey? And you mentioned that you were a quarterback. Do you think that in this era, maybe you'd, after college, you'd have continued on as a quarterback? Well, the thing is, though, the best thing ever happened, you know, is that the Lamar Hunt started the AFL, you know. Yep. That gave the, the, the uh, color, you know, players an uh, opportunity to play because that's what we recruited for, the American League. We recruited for a lot of the blacks. And they, right to this day, they wouldn't, get a, they wouldn't have had an opportunity to play because back then, they didn't have black quarterbacks. They didn't have black middle guard and linebacker. They didn't have safeties, you know. Yeah. yeah. And now you look at them on the field, they got them. They gave them an opportunity to, to show them that they could play quarterback any position on the field, you know. And uh, that's what's good about it today, you know, is that they, they get an opportunity to play and show. And, yeah. and one, one thing I wanted to ask about Super Bowl four was how significant a victory was that? Because obviously the Jets had beat Baltimore and a lot of people thought that was a fluke and then you guys went and won again and suddenly the league merger happens a lot quicker. <clears throat> well, the thing is about that is that, the, you know, when the Jets beat the Colts, yep. they said, oh, wait a minute. And then the next year, Kansas City was a wild card. Yep. And we had to go and play the Jets, which was a world championship the year before. And then we had to go play Oakland, which beat us twice that year. We was yeah. a wild card. And what we told the people is that in the offense, Lenny Dawson didn't play seven games. We told him, say, we don't think these guys can score more than six points on us. Yeah. And that's when we went in and played the Vikings. We was on the dog like 17 points. 
we went out there and we dominated the game. That's when the yeah. AF, the NFL said, uh-oh, these guys here to stay. So we need to join. Look, Bobby, we, we know your time with us is short, but just one very final question on the current Kansas City Chiefs. Are you following them at the moment? Because we had them over in the UK this year, and yeah. they're a great bunch of guys, a great defense. Do you think they can go on to be to be potentially a Super yeah, Bowl they, team in the next couple of years? I, I picked them to win the Super Bowl this year also, you know. And uh, the thing is, though, you know, they, they, they were short. Oh, no, you know, I'm here for Port Ryan, you know. We're doing yeah, of course, the, yes. Yeah. And the thing is that Mike Dickton with the great iron greats, you know, Port Ryan is giving a portion of their uh, products this year, you know, to the Great Iron Grits, grit, uh, grit, which we help the, uh, the pioneer players that have been hardships and stuff like that. We donate a lot of money to them and give it to them and help them at the hospital bills and stuff like that. And what Port Ryan has been doing for the last four years is, you know, they've been working with us. And this year we're doing the same thing and I you know speak for it fantastic where, where can people find out more about that they can go on uh, uh, portryan.com and, do, you and then they play pork scratching just to make sure anyone's clear <laughs> scratching <on that. laughs> yeah and, they, and they're still playing the game right yeah. they can they can play you know sock the, sack the quarterback okay and they can enter their name in a contest to rent $3,500 and a year right your supply of Port Ryan. Right, doing Fantastic. it. Doing it right. I You love it, right? That's scratching, man. <laughs> Bobby, real pleasure. Thank you so All much. All right, thank sir. you. Bobby Bell there, uh, he was overplugging his pork rinds, pork scratchings. Sounded great, didn't it? I was desperate to try them. Did they have some with them? Well, they didn't give us any, did they? Well, we had, because Randall Cobb was around again today, and for the second day in a row, we were promised maybe some time with him and then turned down at the last minute because he was taking too long with other stations. But he was here promoting Skittles, and at least we got some free bags of Skittles oh, out of it. Oh, plenty of Skittles. So far, our swag so far is mini bags of Skittles and some Gillette razors. I think Skittles over here have more taste. I, I think you can taste the individual flavours more than over in England. Do you think they've got more sugar in them? Oh, hold on, I turned your mic down because... Uh, well, because mainly you put it on the table Snubbed. and I could just hear I did. I put it down the table and, and I was typing and Liam was typing. Uh, I'm, I would not be at all surprised if Skittles, as with many other confections that we can get in England or America, have different chemicals that we are not allowed to have in England in them over here. Don't tell Pete Carline that. He is not eating meat while he's in the US because he doesn't trust American poultry. Wow. <laughs> well, this is the same guy who hates the second series of I'm Alan Partridge and when he told me he hated it I told him he was talking rubbish and then just as he left us at the end of the day he went to shake my hand incredibly aggressively at the top of the escalator to the BART got right in my face and went Alan Partridge has said not Alan Partridge that's not his real name uh, uh, Steve Coogan and Armando Iannici have both said that season was rubbish they've both said they turned what was a great character study into basically sketch comedy and it was rubbish. It's terrible. It's rubbish. Like, really angry in my face. And I tried to pull I away. Think, I think we've all lost a, a, a fair amount of respect for Pete. Pete, if you're listening, I'm a big f- just I have a little bit of reflection over the next week down. and think about how you behave. Calm down. What a man. He's not going to listen, surely. Maybe he's, maybe he's listening right now. Who knows? Maybe he's under the table. Aha! Which would be like Alan Partridge. Yeah. So that works uh, on many levels. Absolutely. Right, let's actually get on and talk about the game this weekend, then Super Bowl 50. I just want to double-check. We definitely haven't broken down. I, like, in my head, we've done the Pen- Panthers' defence and the Broncos' offence. We haven't done the that's, other side of the ball yet, have we? we like, but we've done three podcasts, haven't we? Yeah, but we didn't do it the first time because you were all like... Uh, 
hungover practically. <laughs> yeah, fine. Okay, we were a mess. We didn't want to do it. We we didn't really understand what was going on. So. Let's, uh, let, we're going to talk about the Broncos defence then, and we've got a few uh, few interviews coming up which reflect on that. We'll start off hearing from actually this is more about the uh, this this is more about the Broncos offence because I just wanted to hear it because it's it's a great bit of chat. But Kurt Warner was asked during the NFL media NFL um, network media availability whether or not he if he was a quarterback and knew that he had to put everything on the on the shoulders of the defence on the running back that he'd feel comfortable about that that he feel good about it in the same way that Peyton has been able to turn around and say I'm not going to win the game I've just got to make sure I don't lose it come on we all have egos we all have pride uh, and especially a guy that's done it as well as him for so long and a guy that's been the focal point for so long and that's what I liken it to I liken it to the year I went to to New York and I'm coming off a couple MVPs and a couple Super Bowls and you know 40 touchdown passes in a year and I mean, all these gaudy numbers. And, you know, I was kind of the guy, and we were built around throwing the football. Then I go to New York, and Tom Coughlin would have had his way. I wouldn't have ever thrown the ball. You know, he wanted a, three yards in a cloud of dust, and we wanted to play defense. And it was just a different way than I've ever played the game before. And it didn't play to my strengths, and it wasn't as much fun from the standpoint that I, I knew what I could do. I knew what I was capable of. Uh, but we just we just didn't do it anymore. You know, we didn't do we didn't play that way. But at the same time, what everybody else sees that year, they say, well, that was a failure. Kurt, that was his worst year ever. I go back and look at that year, and I say, this is primarily the same team that they had the year before, where they won four games. We won five of my first seven starts. That although I didn't play the game the same way, I found a way to win and to lead my team um, that was different. And, you know, it was unique and it wasn't, like I said, didn't play to my strengths, but I showed that I could win other ways. And I took great pride in that. I mean, I took take great pride in what we accomplished that year. And, you know, after I left and Eli came in, I mean, we won one game that year, you know. And, and so I take great pride in accomplishing what we did and nobody else sees that. But I walk away and go, you know what? It wasn't how I would have wanted to do it. You know, I would have loved to have thrown 40 touchdown passes and won that way. I can tell you Peyton would love to be the focal point and be able to go out and throw for 350 and four touchdowns to win this game. But there's something about us that you have to look and go, okay, it's just not where I'm at right now. Now, I can get mad and and get upset and allow it to bruise my ego, or I can take great pride in saying, nobody expected me to be here. I know I have some physical limitations, if that's the case, or I'm going through injuries or whatever Peyton's been going through, and I don't have my best stuff. But guess what? I'm in the Super Bowl and no one else is here because I'm a leader of men and, and, I'm a, and I'm a pro and I'm confident that I can make the plays I have to make. Maybe it's not as many as I had to make five years ago, but I can make the plays that this team needs me to make to get to this point. And I'm okay, ego-wise, letting my defense win a few games for me. It's okay. <laughs> I won enough games for my teams over the years that I'm okay with that because at the end of the day, we win and we lose as a team. We're here in the Super Bowl, and I'm the quarterback, and I take great pride in that and make no excuses for how we got here. We don't make no excuses that I might not be the same guy I was two years ago or I can't throw it as far. I take more pride in the fact that I can't do those things, yet I'm still where I was when I was at the top of my game. There's something to me special about that and something that Peyton should take great pride in uh, from where he's at, where he's at right now, and where he's got his team, and I don't know if you were here earlier, but I, I think back to when he came back in in San Diego in the second half, 
And if you watch the game, you know, it's easy to say, well, Peyton didn't do much. I mean, he threw a couple passes here and there, but he handed it off and Hillman ran 50 yards for the touchdown and they won the game, you know, and everybody's saying, well, about Peyton. And he did an interview afterwards and they asked him, you know, what happened when you went in? And he goes, I really didn't do much. It just seemed like when I went in there, the offensive line blocked better, the running backs ran harder, the defense played better. And it's a little thing and it's easy to say, well, yeah, you're right. It was all the other guys. But there's something to be said about great leaders where you step into a huddle and everybody plays a little bit better. You know, and you could see it on the field play out like that, but you can't really quantify it. And I believe that's what Peyton has done this year is that he hasn't had his best stuff, but when he's there, guys believe a little bit differently. And that's no knock on anybody else. He's just a great player and a great leader. And I just feel he should take great pride in where he's at right now, even though people might pick on him because he's not the same guy physically getting your team to this point is no easy task regardless of where you're at and then to overcome some of the limitations and to lead his team to this point I think is a special accomplishment and I think it's a crowning accomplishment if this is his last game and I hope people see it that way and I hope Peyton sees it that way because During the Cheltenham Festival, Betway are giving you the chance to win £50,000 in the free-to-play for-to-win game. Head to betway.com to play now. Up next, more horses. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. Horse, horse, horse. Full terms apply. 18 plus only. BeGambleAware.org. Because uh, I know how difficult it is to win different from what you've always done to find ways to do it a different way and so i look at it uh, again I, having been there i look at it completely different than i think a lot of people look at it Kurt, Kurt, when you, you um when you uh you talked about the great players you played with tory holtz actually over in london this week oh yeah in the game internationally awesome. doing our party actually good deal i shouldn't plug that <laughs> it'll be um, great just just to ask uh, when people cite nfl europe as being a little bit of a failure the one thing they really cite is your success off the back of that yeah. are you proud of your time playing internationally and what we've managed to achieve growing the game since then no doubt i enjoyed my time over there and, and i know without that i don't know if i'm where i'm at today and you know i understand the challenges of taking a new sport and trying to introduce it to a culture uh it, it's no easy task when you guys have great sports like you do whether it be football soccer and you know rugby and the different things cricket and some of the different things that are international um but i enjoyed my time and i know it was instrumental in, in allowing me to grow as a quarterback to the point where when i did get my opportunity i could seize it so uh thankful for for nfl europe uh thankful for the feeder system that it was for for the nfl and for nfl players um you know and and i think we need something like that you know and would love to see it you know, them, them, you know, reattack that, that issue and, and maybe, you know, reopen that issue uh, in other places because I think there's, there's a possibility, A, for our, our game to grow there uh, and for people to fall in love with it, but B, also for a, a chance for guys like myself to get a training ground to be able to prove themselves and, uh, and, and possibly have a career like I did. And it's nice to know Kurt Warner loved his time in Europe. Good news.
Good man. Liked Kurt Warner a lot. We've been promised to get him in the off-season for a proper long conversation with him. Uh, I think we're going to do an NFL Europe special to go with our concussion special and everything else that we've been building up audio from this week. If what our uh, Italian friend Paolo Bandini says is true, there'll be a lot of talk about Godu Paolo as, as an Italian apparently I, I was, you know, I was pleasantly surprised to hear from you that uh, he had managed to sit down with you for a few minutes and not and not bring that into the conversation. Do you know what? I, I, and I love Kurt Warner, by the way, because as a, as a Cardinals fan, you know, that's the highest point of of cardinal fandom oh wow was, was kurt warner taking us to a super bowl but uh he does he does like to talk about his religion you don't love god though do you paolo betrayed your country <laughs> and by the way paolo god still loves you oh, that's well, the that's nice. uh, okay i <laughs> i sat in front of him for about 25 minutes couldn't get a, a, a word in edgeways because of the rude american reporters he didn't mention god once but then then there was a, a, a guy oh who God. says he's from the BBC, an English, a Welsh guy, sorry, came and sat up a, a camera, put it right in his face. His first question was, so the Super Bowl will be uh, on at one o'clock in England. Wrong. Well, yeah, it's 11.30 p.m. 11.30. So first well, it will still be on at 1 p.m. <laughs> 1 a.m. And, said, <laughs> and then he said, oh, it will go until 5 a.m. Wrong. wrong. Uh, that is wrong. But uh, Kurt, wrong, yeah. have you got the any average length? Hold on, just let me tell you my fantastic stat. The average broadcast length of the Super Bowl is three hours and twenty-eight minutes. Three hours and forty-five if you include the ceremony. So, uh, thanks, Will. Uh, so, uh, his I learn these stats. I have to say them somewhere. Do we have tumbleweed on there? His first question was to uh, to Kurt Warner after revealing these wrong this wrong information. So, have you got any tips for? how to stay up late and Kurt was like what and then he butted in again well we've also got a big rugby championship this was, um, this was unbelievable we've got a big rugby championship that starts this weekend if I give you the names of the countries can you tell me who's going to win and Kurt was like I don't know rugby who was this guy he, he was a joke he was an absolute farce he, was, who was he? he said it was said BBC his name was well, this will tell you everything and sorry Welsh people his name was Rodri Rodri yeah. <laughs> Rodri now we don't have tumble, Actually, we don't have tumbleweed but we could spend some time in the rainforest <laughs> so if that guy that, that's basically the sound of Rodri's mind isn't it the <laughs> If that guy listens, um, he's a, you are a disgrace. Oh, I hope he doesn't listen because uh, I really don't want that person as a fan of our show. I don't think he does listen because otherwise he would have come over and said hello. Uh, let's just hear a quick minute. We, we, we're going to... Uh, <laughs> that picture? <laughs> if he listened, he'd have desperately wanted to meet us. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the idea. He would have heard me ask Kurt Warner a question gone, Oh my God, that's the Will Gavin. The, the, British, the British voice boy. of American sports. Amazing. <laughs> Uh, let's let's hear now from uh, who will who, who are we gonna hear know. from? Uh, it's got to be absolutely Matt Sherry's total man crush. He stared deep into Greg Cassell's eyes for a full, consistent fifteen minutes. And let's hear. I mean, he's going to break down all elements. We're going to talk about the Broncos' defense, but he really, really made love to him with his eyes, blowing kisses, and wishing him. All the love. No, I'm just. I'm so distracted. I don't know who is. Who's is that? Jerry Rice. We've got so, Jerry yeah. Rice and Ryan Leaf behind us. Yeah, it's a meeting of great footballers <laughs> of high draft picks. Um, um, so, uh, just a, a bit of a scene set. Oh, we are in, in we're not going to hear from Greg Cosell then. We're, we're in the middle of uh, Radio Row. There's a load of cops with guns. Uh, sort of. That's because Ryan Leaf's in there. Because Ryan Leaf's with us. But there's about a hundred people trying to get a glimpse of. 
the legend that is Jerry Rice. It's, it's incredible in here. And Steve Young just Steve walked Young. over as well. Steve, this is, oh my God. Absolutely, this is incredible. Steve! <laughs> not again, Ollie. not this again. Yesterday, Rob Gronkowski was walking through the radio row on the other side, and as while we were recording the now lost 20 minutes of podcast, and he literally, I went, he went, do you think I can shout him? And just went, Rob! Rob! For, for, for uh, five or six times I know I just did it again loudly and there's a lot more people here right now I'm, I'm slightly worried about Steve the Young police are going to make him a shouting, <laughs> shouting words shouting the word uh, was this, Rob this sounds, this sounds partridge-esque if we were just talking about partridge it, it was very partridge-esque look season one or season two because I could kind of make if a we, if we can grab Jerry for a minute Jerry say a quick hello to the British fans at home what's up guys incredible how you guys doing Jerry, Jerry Rice, Rice here just, do you have a message? You've been over to London before. Any message for the UK fans? Love the UK fans. You know, I look forward to coming back over, man. I have played so many exhibition games there. You guys really show us great hospitality, and I'm looking forward to it coming back, okay? Thanks, Jerry. Thanks a lot, Jerry. Well, Cheers, man. Oh, wow. that, that was a moment in life made. Uh, I, I think we could probably just give up now, guys, and just go on. Right, uh, turn it up. And you've done. been listening to The Gridiron Show. <laughs> right, let's seriously actually hear from Greg Cassell now, and I'm going to go and have a little cry in the corner. Back on Radio Row and, and joined by, as Matt just said, his favourite X's and O's the, the king of X's and O's. I have to say, Greg Cassell, when we spoke uh, last year uh, in the off-season, we talked about... Uh, uh, the mechanics of the, the young quarterbacks coming <laughs> through. And, and you said to me something about Teddy Bridgewater and, and throwing like he's serving a dinner plate that I have repeated to every Vikings <laughs> fan I've spoken to since. And now that I said it, don't you see it? Yeah, yep. and, and uh, but do you know what? I've accredited you every time. I just want to make sure that's that that's okay. Clear. You can make it your own. <laughs> he hasn't. He has made it himself. See, I'm just glad I'm on you guys because, you know, I always wanted to say bloody well right from the uh, Super Tramp song, <laughs> but it just doesn't sound right when I say it. <laughs> bloody well right. They're bloody well right. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Bloody well right. <laughs> it's a great song. A great song. Great, great band. Song. Yeah. Listen, we, I want to kind of dig deep on the X's and O's immediately in this game if we can with you. H how do you see the, the key battles? I mean, to me, it's I'm kind of convinced it's the Denver offensive line against that Carolina front and, and how well, one, they can open up the running game and make sure they can stay with that, but two, protect Peyton Manning as well. How do you see that matchup shaping up? Well, Denver does not have a great all-line. Yeah. So they're going to have to play really, really well. And Denver, in order to win, is going to have to stay committed and patient with the run game. Now, the score will dictate that, which makes Denver's defense obviously very important. But this is a game where Denver is going to have to try to stay as balanced as they can. This, can't, this is not the Peyton Manning of five, six years ago where they can come out and proactively have Peyton throw 45 passes. Yeah, absolutely. If he has to throw 45 balls, that means they're losing, and that means things are not going well. I mean, we spoke to Matt Ryan yesterday, and, and right. he was saying, in the obviously, the one loss they've suffered this season, the Falcons, despite not having great success on the ground, ran the ball 30 times. Right. Forces those fast linebackers who are great in coverage to move up, and that could be the difference between... Well, and again... The, the, and this is why complementary football is so important. They were able to do that because Carolina was not scoring. Because Atlanta's defense, which nobody thought was very good, you know, when, when they went into that game, was able to hold Carolina down and the game was close. Yep. So that's why complementary football is so important for Denver in this game. They need this game going into mid-third quarter, early fourth quarter, 
to be a close game, yep. preferably a one-score kind of game, so they can stay with their offensive approach. And you've been breaking down tape for a long time now. Have you seen an ability to execute the offense that Carolina do on the NFL level? They're kind of using some almost 1920s running concepts, and it's it's kind of unique from what I've seen. Have you ever seen it operate to this level this way? No, world? not in the NFL. It's, it's, it's a mix of many different concepts. Some have come directly from college. Yep. Some, as you say, from years ago in the NFL. Uh, it, it's, it's a mix of so many things. It's very multiple. Sometimes they can have two or three different concepts within the same play. Yep. It's very, very hard to defend. You can't simulate it. I know Denver has a great defense, and who knows, maybe they'll defend it really well. But the one thing that you can say is they've not seen anything like it. So it will be different, and it's harder. Now, the flip side of that is the pass game for the Panthers is very basic in the NFL. Their pass game concepts, and, and I don't know if you guys are familiar with this name, but are, are basically out of the old Don Coriel school yeah. of pass offense. That's what their pass game is. Yeah. It seems like everything they do is slightly old school, though. That's the point, and I'll be intrigued to know Denver against the Patriots did so well bringing just three or four guys against that offensive line, but when you're going to see those heavy set lines, three back sets, those sort of things from Carolina, I don't know if the talent is enough to be able to get past three guys. I mean, you might be Von Miller, but if you've got three guys blocking you, that's going to be different. Well, that's where this game's different, and obviously New England is a team that pass protected mostly with five, which created a lot of the one-on-one matchups, even when Denver rushed three, which they did 14 times in that game. But Carolina, one of their foundation protections, they're they're a big six- and seven-man pass protection offense. And I personally think that the two inside guys for Denver, Malik Jackson and Derek Wolfe, could be more important in this game than Demarcus Ware and Von Miller. Yeah, and and that's interesting you say that because you mentioned the Air Coyrell stuff and... But Carolina have shown a willingness to ca- to lose something in the passing game in order to get those extra blockers in on the line. Yep. And, and that, that, again, is something that you don't see often in the NFL. Um, no, pr- not, not as much necessarily as, as Carolina do does it. There's a lot of teams that will do that, let's say, on first and ten when they want to take what we call a shot play where they want to get the ball downfield and they'll go play action and they'll max protect. But no, Carolina will do that on second down, third down, because they're a protection-first offense, and and uh, that that's the way they approach it. But yeah, you're right. You don't see a lot of teams do that the way Carolina does it. One guy who really interests me in this game is actually T.J. Ward, who yeah. he's a little banged up, and he's not really been mentioned much in the build-up. But how important is his role, kind of, as that extra linebacker in the box going to be, especially with how diverse that running game is? Well... He'll probably be in the box quite a bit. You know, it's funny, Matt. The other area where I think he's really interesting is he normally matches up to the tight end. Yeah. And Greg Olson is a really, really good tight end. And, you know, just based on track record, you would think Ward will be matched up, uh, which, of course, beg- there's always more questions when you than answers when you discuss games like this, particularly when there's two weeks. So the next question it begs is, Denver's played a lot of man-to-man coverage this year, and they pride themselves on it. Will they continue to do that because of the Cam Newton factor running the ball? 
Yeah, and, and Denver obviously moved to a much more zone-orientated scheme against Pittsburgh. In the last two weeks, they've played yeah, more zone. And, and how, how would you approach that situation? Because the, they left a lot of holes against Pittsburgh, but really tightened up against New England. Would a zone scheme be more suited, do you think? Well, there's, there's obviously a couple of schools of thought. A lot of people believe if you're going to face uh, that kind of run game and the ability of the quarterback to leave the pocket and run, that it makes more sense to play more zone because then guys aren't running out of there. They're basically staying ideally in their, with their assignments, where they're lined up, eyes in the backfield, they can see everything. So that's one of, I think, the intriguing elements of this game to see if Denver plays perhaps more zone. And, and one other, just a quick one on the Denver defense. They've kind of they've kind of been unwilling a lot of times to move a keep to lead from left corner. But he, to me, seems like the guy you could match up against Greg Olson, knowing that the receiving corps isn't the strongest that other guys are capable of covering. Do you see Wade Phillips potentially doing that? Well, then it would be interesting to see, particularly when they they're a predominant dime team. They play six defensive backs, not five. So if they wanted in that situation to match up to leave on Greg Olson, which again is not out of the question, by the way, then their dime package would probably include another corner as opposed to another safety, because then they're still going to have to match up to the three wideouts, and they're not going to do that with the safety. So that'll be you know again. With two weeks, there's always a few tweaks that teams make that are a little different from what they did during the season because they have that extra week and they have extra time to prepare. I mean, what you've seen from Denver, just looking over the whole season on that defensive side, uh, we were speaking with uh, Ed uh, Tutol-Jones earlier, and he was saying to us, it's the most excited he's been watching a defense since he retired Denver? in 1990. Yeah. Wow. And, and what Wade Phillips has ma- uh, managed to do there, it seems like they're scheming better than anyone else in the league like they did for the Patriots and so that's the one area where I think people are maybe underrating this game is saying okay we, we think that Cam matches up well against anyone but if anybody can scheme for him because Cam is obviously unbelievable that it could be Wade Phillips well what Wade Phillips did against New England even though the offenses are totally different was really fascinating because he played so many different coverages a lot of people just think it's man and zone but there's so many different elements of man and zone when all said and done there were probably 10 12 different coverage looks and even Tom Brady was confused at times he wasn't getting a clear picture it didn't register so you would expect he continue to do those kinds of things uh, and and then we'll see how it goes but no he's I think coverage will be very important in this game well, what impressed me about Wade Phillips in that game is he's famed for, especially on third down, bringing the blitzes, and, and he really didn't do he that didn't against blitz New very England. Much, they, they dropped yeah. into coverage. That kind of willingness to adapt to the opponent yep. is something that coordinators sometimes are reticent to do. And I think with two weeks to prepare, you would think he's kind of going to do that again. Well, and obviously we don't know what he's ultimately going to think is the best approach, but whatever he thinks it is, in those two weeks you'll see it. And, you know, teams that, look, this year Cam Newton got sacked five or six times by Tennessee. Uh, Obviously that game against Atlanta, he was under pressure quite a bit. There have been times where that old line, which has clearly played better over the last couple of weeks, but there have been times where that old line has struggled and has made some mistakes. I mean, the Tennessee game, there were some protection mistakes. 
And you can you try to create those mistakes by your front looks, by creating the illusion of pre look. Carolina, there were a number of times they rushed three against Arizona and were able to create pressure because you create before the snap of the ball with your alignment the illusion that six or seven, you know, any one of six or seven could be coming and it creates an illusion of pressure. The, the one thing uh, side of the ball that we haven't maybe mentioned too much is Peyton Manning. And, and what I found interesting when researching into this game is how weak he's been against the Blitz this season. Right, I'll, and it used to be great. Yeah, exactly. It, was, it used to be a, a cardinal sin to Blitz right, Peyton right, Manning right. because he's so intelligent. But uh, seeing a few of these games this season where guys are bringing corner blitzes and forcing him to throw to the outside, it's an area he's really struggled against. Is there anything you've seen from Peyton in the last couple of games where he's been a lot safer, not turn the ball away? <laughs> Just so you know, that's he's the, shaking his head before he's even answered the question. Is there anything you see that makes you think Peyton Manning no. might have picked that up? Or and and it's, it's so can... hard for me to talk about because I think Peyton Manning is one of those guys that truly changed the game, and there's not many that do that. But I think at this point he's a limited thrower. Um, he's, his timing's been off. He has not been anywhere near as precise with his ball placement as he used to be. Uh, I mean, watching the tape... I did not think he played particularly well against New England. Yeah. So he's got, again, it's Peyton Manning, and I hate to, he's Peyton Manning for a reason. So I'm not going to sit here and say he can't do something, but he would have to play far better than he's played. So we look forward to seeing him playing for the LA Rams next year then. <laughs> the, the interesting thing with the New England game is the first drive, a lot of people got really excited, but there was too much depth from Malcolm Butler on a third down completion right at the start of the drive and then some coverage breakdowns and actually Denver only scored three points in the second half do you think people are thinking that Peyton's at a level that he's just not at because maybe we haven't actually seen that when we look back at the games in I almost, think, I almost think people want to think Peyton's at a level yeah. that he's at for exactly what you were saying is that yeah. kind of um, emotional response to yeah. it you know, you just fall into the fact that he's been Peyton Manning. He's one of the greatest ever to play the game. And, and therefore, you you just wonder if he can sort of pull from that reserve somewhere. But like I said, if you're just using tape as your guide, uh, you haven't seen that this year with any, you know, with any consistency. So, you know, you, you can't sit here and say, oh, he's going to do that, no problem. You don't know. Yeah. Now, if he does it, then, hey, I hope he does it because I want to see a great game. And I know, I mean, picks aren't necessarily normally the way that you go with it. And I think from all the conversation we've had, it's really clear. But do you see this as Carolina being as dominant as some people want to fancy them to well, be? Well, um, I probably wouldn't have used the word fancy myself, but thank you. Uh, <laughs> um, Bloody well done. Right, right. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, you know, I guess my feeling about the game is I think... Denver can probably only win one way, meaning the game would have to be relatively low scoring by NFL standard. I don't mean 10-7, but, you know, 20-17, 23-20. Whereas I think Carolina could win in multiple ways. And, of course, as the cliche goes, that's why they play. But I think Carolina, if you just look at their team, is, is arguably the best team in the NFL, which is why one of the reasons they're here. And I think they have many ways in which they can win. Yeah, the, the concern, the concern for me with you're never going to wrap this up, are you? You're going to keep Greg here for as long one. as you can. <laughs> well, we can start talking about music next. <laughs> the, the, the concern for me is if is if 
um, Denver managed to get behind in the game, I just don't see that they're a team that can come back. If the, if Carolina starts strong as they have in previous games, I think it yeah. could be over. And Carolina's been really good in the first half in games. Yep. So, so, but, uh, so on the music front, yeah, hey, we, hey, <laughs> hey you, you guys are too young, but uh, so, but. I saw Led Zeppelin in Madison Square Garden oh, in 1975. Don't talk to this guy about Led Zeppelin. He doesn't like them. I love Led Zeppelin. I, I think you're overselling you like over them. You I'm said like you don't Led like them. See, if you had told me that before we started, I wouldn't be here. <laughs> Greg, they're my favorite band. I love my Led favorite Zeppelin. band of all time. Oh. I'm a Bruce Springsteen. We man. spoke, oh, about, we Led spoke about Led Zeppelin in some depth the last time we spoke. Oh, at did the we? Beginning of the interview, and so I th- I'm being sold down the river here <laughs> by Ollie. Clearly, he's uh, he's ruining me. <laughs> Greg Gazelle. <laughs> Real joy. Thank you so much for joining us. All right, guys, thanks. thanks Greg Cassell there, and as much as I love Jerry Rice, that Sherry loves Greg Cassell just that much as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a man. <laughs> what an absolute legend. That was fantastic. His, I spoke to uh, his, his better half earlier today, Sasha. Uh, and and she, she is, A, hoping to bring him back over to the... Uh, <laughs> She is hoping to bring him back over to the UK uh, in the near future. But I also spoke about Fisher say? Getting, uh, getting Jerry Rice uh, on ourselves at some point. We'll break down the Broncos defence in a moment. But uh, before we do so, let's quickly hear uh, Willie McGuinness thought, legendary linebacker, won three Super Bowls with, uh, with the New England Patriots. And just get his thoughts on what he saw from the, uh, from the Broncos defence against New England last week. Great. I was very impressed, but, I, you know... That's the key to beating the Patriots. If you could, if you could slow down Tom Brady, if you could take advantage of a of a of an offensive line, um, you know he's not going to run away from anybody. So you can abandonly, recklessly crash the pocket. Uh, there's certain moves you can do against him. You cannot do against Cam because it'll hurt you. Um, so I think Wade did a great job. Um, they got pressure across the entire front. It wasn't just Von Miller. It was Wolf, uh, Malik Jackson. Um, Wilkerson, uh, Ware started to heat up. As soon as they try to help on one guy, the other guy start acting up. So when you can bring pressure across the front and you can get pressure and drop seven guys and only rush four, and you got seven guys in coverage, that's that's the key to success. And when you see the old school style of football that Carolina plays, six linemen, seven linemen, tight ends in, three backs, those sorts of sets, do you think they'll be able to do the same sort of thing they did against the Patriots or are you going to expect a lot more blitzing from Denver? Um, I think Denver's going to probably have to put somebody in the box, but only because they're a power team. They're a power running team. They're going to protect Cam. Um, when he airs it out or opens things up, um, it's hard to match up because if you match everything up, lanes open up, running lanes open up. So he takes advantage of that. Um, he's become uh, so much better in the pocket and, 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 and more polished as a passer. His accuracy I think that's the biggest thing. We always knew he could run, and they're doing a lot more of it, you know, which is not traditional because you don't want your quarterback to get banged up. But if you look at some of the passes he's thrown, especially off his back foot, how accurate he is um, down the field. I mean, it's impressive where he's come from, you know, in the last couple of years. I have to say, this is the most surreal <laughs> podcasting. We've now got a police escort. <laughs> it's is, somebody taking photos of this. This is this one is, of the weirdest this, things that's ever happened. Because it feels a bit like we've got caught in the middle of the sort of the protected area. So we were just sitting here doing the podcast <laughs> and then important people have showed up and we're just still here and we've been allowed to stay. We do have police <laughs> yeah. either side of us. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's a lot of fun. It's great Guys, you please go and get one get from the other spend. side. This is great. Get one from that side so it looks like all those fans are here for us <laughs> and the police like, are here for see us. See all of those guys down there. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's unbelievable. This is, look how many fans we've got, guys. Get the women in the yellow dress, Scrags. <laughs> <laughs> Bring her over. We need to speak to her desperately. Uh, <laughs> uh, should we talk about the Broncos' defense? In fact, first of all, we talk about Willie McGinnis' behaviour afterwards. Now, Willie McGinnis is a guy who we spoke to very briefly last year, but it was a bit of a walking talk. We didn't get much of a chance. And I spoke to him today, and he was nice enough and, and very calm spoken. At the end of the whole media availability, they had basically all the NFL me, uh, all the NFL network guys in a room, sat on different tables. Michael Irving had a huge number of people around him. William McGuinness had a quick chat with him for, for five minutes or so. It was, it was really interesting. He's a really knowledgeable guy. And as I left, I just shook his hand and I said, Willie, thank you so much for your time today. It was great. And he went, yeah, man, no worries. And then as he turned around, I've always, I just thought he's always one of those guys who doesn't speak very much when he's not on air. Saw an attractive lady guarding the green room on the other side, and the man pounced. He went, green room? What's in there? What, no, he goes, what goes on in there? What goes on in there? Anyway, it must be some kind of special green room that I've not been in yet. I bet he's in it later. <laughs> it was really creepy. It was incredibly smooth. Uh, so, uh, Slash creepy. I think that's all of our uh, all of our interviews, isn't it? So should we, uh, should we talk about this Broncos defense then? Because we said we were going to break down a different unit every day. And for me, I want to start off by talking about that pass rush. Yep. And specifically with that, the, uh, the, the ability to bring pressure with just DeMarcus Ware, Von Miller, Malik Jackson and Derek Wolf. Yeah, what really interests, it, interests me is Michael or, or however you say that is... I think you did, I think you did a pretty good job. Uh, Oren Remners have been given a lot of kind of credit this year for, for playing well, but they've actually not got up against brilliant edge rushers and they've still not actually played that well. Somebody like Cam kind of covers their weaknesses. I think this is a challenge that's much greater than anything they've seen this season. I, I think this is very close to being a, a, you know, one of the very biggest keys to the game because I was. there's a few things to it. First of all, against the Cardinals last week, I was... I didn't expect it to go the way it went, um, but I, nevertheless, it was a good matchup for Cam because Cam does very well against the Blitz. He throws more touchdown passes than anyone in the league against the Blitz this year. Denver don't need to do that because the guys they've got up front are going to bring that pass rush, whatever. Um, one thing that we, you know, if you're going to nitpick for negatives with, with Newton this season is he does still hold on to the ball longer than he probably should. I was looking at the numbers in this earlier, and he's, uh, I think he holds on to the ball something like the fourth most of any quarterback in the NFL this year. Uh, in terms of how long he spends before uh, getting a pass off, and so you know this is this is really fundamentally important. I think what's interesting with this defensive front, I think it's why they were so successful against New England, is it's not just those two on the outside. It's the fact you've got the push in the middle, and that really mixes things up for one of the things that's most effective for Carolina, which is let Newton just pile up the middle himself. You know, if you're the only team in the league really that's brave enough to just let its quarterback run between the tackles on a semi-regular basis. With about basis. four or five guys on his back. Yeah, but yeah. but are you going to do that against the one team that's really going to keep getting consistent penetration with four guys hitting him in the backfield? That's you know that's that's a huge matchup, I think, whether or not they're able to stop Denver from doing that because that's that's the you know the one thing that can derail this offense maybe. And I think theoretically the weakness in the Denver defense, although there doesn't really seem to be an out and out weakness, is those linebackers in the middle. And we we spoke of them in, in very positive terms, Danny Trevathan and Brandon Marshall, and they're guys who can cover and they're guys who who can get up and stop the run. But potentially, if he can get past, if they do only bring four and he can get past them to the second level, mm. you can imagine Cam breaking off a big run. And there is. 
potential for that in this Denver defense. I just think that if he tries to do it up the middle like you were talking about, they're so stout mm. with those central two of, of Jackson and, and of Jackson's Wolf. Jackson's a monster. Crazy. And, and Wolf against New England was the best I've seen him. And he was just... <laughs> um, <laughs> what was that? Liam's, Liam's just thrown me with... Happily tapping away on his keyboard, just suddenly the word wolf sent him into a... Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I want him to do that in the press box any, any time there's a play. <laughs> I was looking to see if there was a wolf noise on the, uh, on the soundboard. There's not, but there is vampire bat flaps. But guys, Whoever got, needs that? We'd gone three or four minutes without any signals. <laughs> Um, but but this, this is this is a, a really interesting thing, and, and it's what's fascinating about this matchup in general is Denver really haven't played any running quarterbacks this year. They've played some good quarterbacks and dealt with them. They haven't played a running quarterback. But I do think we can differentiate a bit with Newton, um, with the way he interprets that to the way someone like Russell Wilson does. Russell Wilson loves it when a play breaks down. He, he, he likes to, to operate in those freelancing situations. Newton, actually, a lot of his runs come on design yeah, runs. It's That's designed, what he's... Yeah. And so whether or not he is as... Uh, able to deal with those guys in the backfield and sort of just the little subtle move away from them rather than the design run away from them you know that's that's a, that's a question it's not um i'm not saying he isn't i just I'm, I'm fascinated to see if he is what's going to be interesting and we've spoken about this already with a couple of guys is how they're going to line up against greg olsen because i think olsen's really key early on in the game because they need him essentially to it's similar to how you would do with establishing the running game mm. you kind of need him there to get to keep the offense on to keep the defense honest if you can get short completions to him over the middle if you can get him to stretch out those covering linebackers and leave you some room for the run game then there's potential to to open up the field in the in the middle of the field in that way uh, it'd be interesting to see how they cover him and something that matt has been suggesting heartily to anyone that'll listen to him all week is kicking a keep to leave yeah inside. i mean the, 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 they're always reluctant to put a keep to leave inside they like to just use him as a left cornerback and, and keep him there but He's such a good matchup for Olsen. He, he's got the size. Mm. That he, he's also actually probably the best cornerback in the league at covering while also keeping a good eye on the quarterback. And, and Newton is going to look to get the ball to Greg Olsen, so you could see a potential interception there as well. But it's just it's interesting because Wade Phillips really did something that was... I mean, we spoke to Greg about that, as you've heard... The game plan was so different to what he usually does against New England, and, and he's clearly shown a willingness to adapt. And and I think it's Carolina's wide receivers are so kind; they're not terrifying. So I think if you can put Talib on Olsen, you can back Chris Harris can cover anybody in the league. So that that's one guy totally shut down because Chris Harris is a mismatch for any of those wide receivers. Bradley Roby is good enough to cover any of the other guys. So. I really think they have to put a keep to leave on Greg Olsen. And one thing that Greg said is maybe T.J. Ward. T.J. Ward's brilliant against the run, but he's absolutely terrible in coverage. He is and, not the guy you want to And he's been limited in practice yeah. this week, so he's, we, don't, we don't think he's going to be 100%. Something that interests me, and I read an article about it the other day, is how it, they switch from zone coverage to man coverage. Um, and it's, it's a fluid entity rather than 
one week we're going to do something exactly this way and another week another way. Perhaps this would have been better for Gre- Greg Coselli. But oh, well, yeah, Greg Cassell did talk about this exact thing. Oh, I didn't hear it. So <laughs> That's absolutely fine. But, no, no, um, but it's, a, it's a really valid point. Yeah, and, 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 and that's something that they've only just started doing. They, they played man coverage virtually all the way through the season and then the last few weeks in the playoffs they've really switched between the two, which is really difficult. I mean... They confused Tom Brady multiple times last week. There were, there were issues on the offensive line, but he was two weeks ago. Sorry, but he was confused, clearly confused. If they can do that to Tom Brady, they can certainly do it to Cam Newton, who, as Paulo says, isn't that guy who can get the ball out quickly and necessarily reads the coverages immediately in the same way that Brady does. And you're right; he doesn't read the coverages immediate, immediately. And we saw that with the with the, was it the Patrick Peterson pick yep. uh, against Arizona. There was no receiver in sight, straight down Peterson's throat. So he does have that kind of throw in him, that kind of decision-making in him. It just happens that he's had enough time uh, to not make that kind of bad decision. Against Von Miller, DeMarcus Ware, et al., will he have that time? And I don't think so. That's why it's it's not going to be a blowout, as as a lot of people suggest. I, I mean, I've, I've, you know, I've just written up my, uh, my big preview for, of the for the guardian and i i have it as a I, you know i have I, I don't know if i need to keep it off the podcast predictions here i mean you know or uh, are we saving that no for later no, no absolutely I, that's I, fine I have, uh, you know i have the panthers winning but it's not by a lot and i think that the big difference in this one you look at the last two games um i think the combined scores from the arizona and seattle games at halftime was 55 7 to the panthers I, I mean you know if that if that happens then it's going to be more than game over because there's no way that broncos offense is putting up it's points not built in a, to come in back no but I, but I don't believe it'll happen. I don't believe they're going to let them do that. I, I think there's, there's an interesting point to be made as well when you talk about uh, Cam Newton not being able to read the difference of the zone to man coverage, etc. versus those defences. It's something a lot of people have said uh, over, over the weeks, but it's the quality of the defences they face this season. Obviously, we don't want it in any way put down a 15-1 and regular no, season record and a Super Bowl appearance. But even when they faced great defences this season... They, they faced, faced them at the right time. Yeah, they faced the Texans before they got firing. They faced the Seahawks. I think it might have been Cam Chancellor's first game back or did he not come back to the week after but either way it was before they got I going I think it was the second I feel like he was back for Cincinnati and then did they lose to Carolina the next yeah, game yeah they lost well. Carolina the next game so uh, and then other than that they've not really faced an elite defence well, the, 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 the first Bay, Seattle and, so. yeah I mean the, the, Seattle the playoffs, in the playoffs yeah and, and yeah. Arizona were I mean Arizona was dipping but those were the second and fifth ranked defences yeah. but I mean I think but I think they matched up Perfectly against Seattle. That's the thing yeah. that every, everything they and, did and they didn't score exactly a point in the second half. Seattle, Seattle. I don't know whether it was the call, but they were not themselves at the start of that game. You don't want to use excuses. You kind of don't want to belittle it. But yeah. I mean, the the, co- the comment that's the, resonating with me from today is we spoke to Ed Two Tall Jones, and he was sat there and he just said, "Look, I, I finished playing in the 1990s." I've never been more excited watching football than I was two weeks ago. He's, and he, he actually shows his eye. He said, it still gives me goosebumps. This is the quality of that Denver defense. Yeah. I, th- I think that's, that's, that's like the, uh, almost the, the critical point here. It's not to do down the other defenses. It's not to do down Cam Newton because I think he's taken on some very good defenses. But I think that this Denver defense, certainly the way it was in that New England game, that's a, it's, it's, a, it's a different level. It's just a different a different quality altogether we were, what there, it's doing. we were there two years ago Paolo how do you think it compares to the, that Seattle defence because I think that's that a, a pretty, pretty defense, close but I think it's I think it's in that ballpark yeah, I, I the, the other comment that stuck with me today and the other thing when we were asking and I'm trying for the life of me sometimes it blends into one when we asked somebody how they would win this weekend it, they said that 
Peyton Manning needs to not make mistakes. I think we've all agreed on yep. that when we talked about the Broncos' offense. They need no turnovers, but they need defensive turnovers. Mm -hmm. That's going to be the difference because give Peyton Manning short field and he's got an opportunity. Yep. Start him at his, if, he's, if his average starting field position is back in his own half, back near his own 20, I can't see him putting up more than you know, 10, 12 points. But if he gets to start in opposition territory, if they get a couple of turnovers and they turn those into points, that's where this game stays tight and that's all on that Denver defense to make those plays. I mean, you know, maybe he'll, he'll surprise us again, but I think that the problem for Denver's offense is almost last week, everyone was so already... Uh, was already so confident I guess that Manning of everything Manning wasn't that when he came out and throwing on that first series I think New England were a bit taken aback and certainly I was watching it taken aback with just the willingness to let him do it but I don't think Carolina will get caught out like that and I don't think that Carolina um, you can do that too because it is the most opportunistic defense in the league it is a, uh, the defense that gets the most uh, interceptions and I don't think that Manning throwing against that's a good recipe for anything the problem is then you know, if you're asking CJ Anderson and, and, and Hillman to, to carry that load against you know, the fourth best run defense in the league, that's not a great recipe either. You're which is breaking why down other bits of the game, is, Paolo, and that's not what we're here to do. Which is why I had to keep talking because you two were, were doing something else and I wasn't. Uh, I didn't want to let you guys get uh, You were on distracted. a roll, but you were on the wrong kind of um, role for me. But uh, what, <laughs> what's the right Paolo. kind of role? The right kind of role is talking about the Broncos' defense because that's what we're here to break down, Paolo. Well, what, what I, was, I think we've done that what, in, in some great depth. What I was actually doing, the Washington Post have just released a story about Peyton Manning five days before the HGH allegations apparently sending private investigators in black suits around to the house of the pharmacist who's at the centre of the investigation. And apparently the daughter of the person had to call 911. That's all I've... Would you, a, would you to me it's Sherry, all hearsay and it's nowhere near as bad as deflating balls a tidy well, amount Sherry, before you, you play a game of football to, to actually happen to be true but so that it would take the 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 it would surpass deflate game no okay good no, no nobody what nobody wants to see and nobody everyone no. talks about Peyton Manning going no, out on a high and I actually think I know it sounds ridiculous but a good performance and a loss in the Super Bowl is almost oh. enough of a high for him to retire yeah, off the it back is. of it no, uh, he, nobody wants to see him play badly on Sunday yeah, that's it, just exactly and if you can combine that with a scandal off the back of it that would be a dreadful way to go out no I think we've done a pretty good job of breaking all that down and let's be honest we're rapidly approaching six o'clock and everyone would like to go and enjoy happy hour so uh, is there anything else people would like to bring to is there any other uh, we've lost the police escort now all the hall of famers have left our general vicinity and Ryan Lee well you are wrong uh, because they're just over there <laughs> <laughs> they're literally just you, behind you <laughs> they're, they're, they're chatting to Yahoo let's see um, if we can get Jerry on again <laughs> there's, a, there's a couple of things I want to talk about as we were coming back from the NFL Network uh, media availability, bumped into Eric Berry, which was... Oh, my God, that was I mean, that delightful. was amazing. I, we bumped and into we, Eric Berry, and we said... Because uh, we spoke to him in the locker room afterwards, and, okay, he probably didn't really recognise us, but he did the whole kind of thing. I, I, I went, I shook his hand, I, said, I kind of said to him that, I'd like, I know you're crazy busy today, we're not going to get a chance to speak to you, but... Just wanted to say, like, really glad the re way your rest of your season went after you came to London. Like, we've re like yeah. really pulling for your team all year. And then he just started talking to us about our flight. He was yeah. like, when did you guys get in? And we're like, uh, Monday afternoon. He went, so we went from, we weren't even on the West Coast. So that must have been a long time. We were like 11 hours. He was like, man. And like, then I was like, like, oh, we flew over Greenland. And he was like, whoa. It was, it was really cool. <laughs> it was really he cool. He basically asked us about four or five questions about us. 
and then we all split off. And he just, Eric Berry just strikes me as the nicest bloke in the world. And we'll definitely do our best to get him on in an extended way. Tomorrow we're going to be speaking with, we, we spoke to Kendrick West today, and that'll Who go was out great, probably by the next way. week at some point or in the next few weeks. And tomorrow we're also going to speak with the Kansas City Chiefs owner. Uh, he, they're going to be bringing him round to our table as well. So that should be really good fun. And for all you uh, Chiefs UK fans, plenty of content for you in the offseason as well. T.O. You said, you said more than one thing. T.O. Yeah, he has been uh, a, a ludicrous presence around here today. Um, the, uh, okay, Jerry Rice has got the most amount of people flocking to see him. The second most amount of people was T.O. T.O. Uh, looking actually quite... <laughs> I, th I expected him to be a bit bigger, but um, resplendent in a, in a yellow butterfinger, which is some sort of... Um, Chocolate, it's uh, not a chocolate bar. It's, it's, a, it's absolutely disgusting. There's, there's some little very chance, chanting That's Jerry. just some people chanting Sherry there. <laughs> sherry, a lot of fans in the house. Sherry, <laughs> Sherry. Sherry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but the, the amount of people that were following him about was. That was crazy as well. We also had him booked in on three separate occasions and didn't get him on one of them, which was. Uh, I'm not bitter about it. I'm just. Uh, just disappointed. But I love I love talking also to Deontay Wilder. We mentioned it at the beginning of the show. That was really cool. It was actually quite nice not to talk about uh, about football for a bit and get on to get on to some boxing. And he had some really interesting things. As you said, we might listen might hear that uh, next week or. Oh, you can probably listen to it on Talksport later today. Yeah, to listen to it on Talksport. Um, it, it he was really personable and. Um, he actually kind of I think he quite liked talking to us which was I think again, we're his favourite people yeah today. well yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think that about everybody <laughs> he, he does have that belief although to be fair when people go past us generally we do get a look of recognition Ke Kelvin, Kelvin Beecham's given me a high five yeah, yeah. today I, brilliant so uh, we have thoroughly enjoyed doing this yet again we've got one more day left on Radio Row and then it's the big one so we'll preview the last part of the game tomorrow and then our next podcast after that We'll be on Sunday night. Are we not doing one Saturday? Well, why? Preview of the game. We're going depth. to a party and we're going to the Golden State Warriors. Oh, yeah, that's the point. No yeah. way. <laughs> we we might not be going to the Golden State Warriors. I said it was going to be six or seven. No, we definitely are. Uh, it could be a grand. It won't be. It's like $200 at the moment. Oh. Uh, <laughs> talking about selling our tickets, if there are a lot of extra money, uh, Paolo looking bewildered. And I thought, confused I, I, I by thought that. you were talking about buying tickets, but you already, already. No, we already have tickets. Yeah. We're talking about selling them. Paolo's so hungry He's right so now. Just I, I, I am actually possibly <laughs> the hungriest I've been in my life. Look, we, we've had a. We've had a <laughs> I'm, I'm considering eating this microphone at the moment. So we've had a wonderful day today. Thank you so much for listening. Last pod tomorrow, then the big one, Sunday night, Super Bowl 50, live from San Francisco. This has been the Gridiron Show. Paolo, go get something to eat. Gabby Logan here and I'm pitchside at Welland FC where Suki and his mate Simon have arranged a kickabout to fundraise for sport relief. It's 11.47 on a Sunday. I think some of these players are a little worse for wear. But they're here, they've got their kit on, they're kicking against injustice and smashing poverty right out the box. They're still 2-0 down though. Oh, but would you look at that goal! You can help change the world too. Just order your free fundraising pack at sportrelief.com. Sport Relief, it's game on. This message was brought to you by ACAST.